Well, good morning, King's Chapel, and welcome to worship. My name is Andy, and on behalf of our staff and leadership team, I just want to welcome everybody this morning and also give a huge thanks to everybody who participated this week in our online daily challenges. It was a ton of fun to see all the pictures that you guys posted throughout the week and really a huge encouragement to our team and our church family just to see everybody's faces and to sort of be a small part of each other's lives through these challenges. So huge thanks to everybody who was able to participate. Before we get started this morning, I just want to remind us of a couple ways that we can stay connected throughout the week. The easiest way is always to go directly to our website. Now, when you open our website, the first thing you'll see is a big banner in the middle that says, click here to connect with us. And so if you're new with us, or if you've never filled out that connect form before, this is a super easy way to stay up to speed on what's happening in the life of our church each week. You can also do that by clicking on the link in the description box in the YouTube video or the Facebook video that you're watching right now. Now on our website, off to the right of that banner, you'll see a little arrow that will allow you to scroll down through a menu on the right side of your screen. And that will help you find links to things like our, our daily devotions or the online worship guide. You'll also be able to find opportunities to serve with open hands. And if you have a need or a prayer request, there's a box that you can click on there. And we would love to hear if there's anything that we can be praying for you uh, during this time. If you need a meal delivered or groceries delivered to your house, we have people here that are eager and would love to help you out. So that's where you can go on our website at kcpchurch.org to click on the share a need or share a prayer request box. We'd love to be praying for you and your family right now. Lastly, big announcement. This Wednesday from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock p.m., we're going to have a church-wide Zoom meeting. And so if you're on our email list already, then in the next couple days, we're going to send you an email that will give you all the details about how to get connected to that meeting and how to sign up for it. Now, the purpose of the meeting is so that we can share with you some of our ideas and thoughts about our plans for May and possibly regathering or reconnecting for our worship services and, and what worship is going to look like as we head into the summer. So we know you'll want to be a part of that. We'll also have a financial update and a time for some Q&A. So carve out Wednesday from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock p.m. and make sure you're on that Zoom, uh, that church-wide Zoom meeting uh, this Wednesday. We'd love for you to be there. Well, with that, I'd love for us to take a minute to pray and just to settle our hearts wherever you're at right now, in your home, in your living room, with your family, and for us to turn our attention to God. So let's prepare our hearts for worship as I open us up in prayer. Pray with me. Well, Heavenly Father, the psalmist says in Psalm 73 that his foot had almost slipped and that he had begun to lose a sense of security and stability, that he had lost his foothold as he looked out at the world and, and the circumstances that were around him. There was no peace and there was discouragement and disbelief until he entered the sanctuary of his God. And that's what we long for this morning as well. We long to be in your presence because we know that your presence alone is a stabilizing force. The security that we need, the life that we need. And so even though we can't meet physically together this morning, I pray that, that you would bond the body of Christ, the family of God, together in our homes. Spiritually unite us, Lord God, through the power of your Holy Spirit. 
your sanctuary is where your people dwell. And so uh, even though we're not together physically, we know that we can be together spiritually in your presence and with one another. God, would you show up this morning through your word and through truth, uh, through your Holy Spirit? We need to be in your presence this morning and we need to hear from your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so we pray, Lord God, that as our hearts and our minds are recentered around your word and your truth this morning, God, that your spirit would blow new life into us and give us strength for this particular week coming up. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, KCP. Our theme this morning for our service is proclaiming God's glory. And we're going to do that from the Old and from the New Testament. So our call to worship this morning is from Psalm 86, verses 8 through 10. And it says this, There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Ben mentioned that we are proclaiming God's glory from the Old and the New Testament, and you've heard now from Psalm 86, and now you'll hear from the New Testament. This is a passage from Revelation 15, and in this passage, it is the saints in glory proclaiming God's glory, and they are quoting Moses' song relating to Jesus the Lamb. So it's the song of Moses and of the Lamb is the way it's referred to in Revelation 15. Listen to this. Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Now let's sing together, How Great is Our God. Thank you. 
So we just finished singing about God's goodness and thinking about God's goodness. And when we consider that, we have to immediately confess our own sinfulness. So read along with me our confession of sin. And we say, Almighty God, we confess how hard it is to be your people. You have called us to be the church, to continue the mission of Jesus Christ to our lonely and confused world. Yet we acknowledge we are more apathetic than active, isolated than involved, callous than compassionate, obstinate than obedient, legalistic than loving. Gracious Lord, have mercy upon us and forgive our sins. Remove the obstacles preventing us from being your representatives to a broken world. Awaken our hearts to the promised gift of your indwelling spirit. This we pray in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. the Lamb who 
Today's passage is from Exodus chapter 34, verses 10 through 35. And he said, Behold, I am making a covenant. Before all your people I will do marvels, such as have not been created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall seek the work of the Lord. For it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I will drive out before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Take care, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go, lest it become a snare in your midst. You shall tear down their altars and break their pillars, and cut down their ashram. For you shall worship no other god, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous god. Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. And when they whore after their gods and sacrifice to their gods, and you are invited, you eat of his sacrifice. And you take of their daughters for your sons, and their daughters whore after their gods, and make your sons whore after their gods. You shall not make for yourself any gods of cast metal. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, as I commanded you at the time appointed in the month of Bib. For in the month of Bib you came out from Egypt. All that opened the womb are mine all your male livestock, the firstborn of cow and sheep. The firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. All the firstborn of your sons you shall redeem, and none shall appear before me empty-handed. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. In plowing time and in harvest you shall rest. You shall observe the Feast of Weeks, the first fruits of wheat harvest, and the Feast of Ingathering at the year's end. Three times in the year shall all your males appear before the Lord God, the God of Israel. For I will cast out nations before you and enlarge your borders. No one shall covet your land when you go up to appear before the Lord your God three times in the year. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with anything leavened, or let the sacrifice of the feast of the Passover remain until the morning. The best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. And the Lord said to Moses, Write these words, for in accordance with these words I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water, and he wrote on the tablets of the works of the covenant the Ten Commandments. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with two tablets of the testimony in his hand as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know what the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him. And Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with, with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. 
and Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Leah, for reading today's scripture passage. King's Chapel, it's, well, I won't say it's good to be with you in this format. I very much miss you and look forward to the day when we can be physically back in each other's presence. Not sure what that will look like or even when that will be, but my goodness, I miss you. And I hope you're doing well, praying for you often. Um, Take great delight in who you are and uh, very much miss getting to be your pastor in the actual physical presence with you. Well, Leah read for us much of chapter 34. We're going to be focusing in this morning on Exodus 34, particularly verses 29 through 35. But you also want to, if you have a Bible nearby or pause the video and go grab one, uh, you will also want to have a finger over at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, because we'll spend some significant amount of time there uh, this morning as well. Well, as one of the, the, the great things that was um, a personal loss to me fairly quickly because of all the radical changes um, that brought up, were brought about by the coronavirus was my favorite sporting event of the year, which is the NCAA tournaments. The series of games, you make the bracket, you watch the games, and every year it provides an un, just unbelievable amount of um, drama and excitement. I love watching the NCAA tournament. In fact, when I was a kid, I used to be able to get all my schoolwork done so that at noon the first Thursday of the NCAA tournament, I was off the, the rest of those days. I, I think it should be a national holiday that first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Well, if you're a, a NCAA tournament junkie like me, then you know that um, one of the most cheesy things that happens during the NCAA tournament or that caps the NCAA tournament is immediately falling or at the very end of the national championship game, there is a video with an unbelievably cheesy song entitled One Shining Moment. And it is simply a montage of the glory of the NCAA tournament. It is um, scene after scene of the, some of the great highlights and the emotions and all of the drama that goes with the tournament itself. But it is to be, it's showing that the tournament itself is to be a display. It is a display of unbelievable athletic prowess, of great drama, of the, simply the glory, the, the shining moment that is the NCAA tournament for these students and in our lives. Well, that's what we come to look at this morning that this great and glorious truth, that we too can shine. I know for me, whenever I watch the NCAA tournament, I, it makes me want to go and shine in regards to basketball in the very minute ways that a 38-year-old now can shine. But I want to shine when I see something glorious like that. When I see the drama, the excitement, and the athletic ability, and this, it makes me want to go play myself. And in the same way, what we are given this morning and what we are seeing is a display of one of God's people shining beautifully. And it ought to make us want to shine as well. You see, God has actually made us to be a people who reflect His glory. In fact, one of the things that God does and one of the great promises of the good news of the gospel is this, is that God is going to restore you to who he actually designed you to be. That God has designed each of us to be a reflection of his glory and his beauty in this world. And what actually happens in our redemption is we finally become who we were truly made to be. 
And that's what we get in this text today. You see, just to give you a little bit of background, to step back, remember the crisis has averted. God's wrath will not be poured out on the people of Israel, and he has promised, actually, to give them his presence. And then we saw last week that God assures them by manifesting them his character and renewing his covenant vows with them. And so once God has said he will give us his presence again and he has backed up that promise with a series of assurances, there is only one thing left, right? And that is actually to experience his presence. And this is what Moses experiences in chapter 34, that Moses experiences the glory of God. And we see here at the beginning of our text that Moses comes down with God's covenant with the people of Israel and he's carrying the Ten Commandments and he walks down and as the people see him, they see that his face shines. It radiates with the glory of God. And why does it radiate? What does it say? It's because he had been with God. That you become glorious when you're in God's presence. You begin a, become a reflection of of God's glory in the world. David said, those who look to you, God, are radiant with joy. Their faces shall never be ashamed. To experience the glory of God makes you a person who shines. Do you want that? That's why God has redeemed us. To make us our future glory selves. To make us what he has always longed for us to be. The, the true version of yourself the restored version of who God has made you to be. To be a one who shines in the darkness in a world that people would know when they see your life, that person reflects something of the beauty of their gods. We even teach our children to long for this, right? From very early age, we teach them little songs like, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. That this is who we want to be. To be who God has made us to be. Well, Here's the good news, and we have lots of good news this morning. You can experience the glory of God such that you shine. And here's why. Two reasons this morning as to why you can shine. Because you experience the glory of God. First, you can experience the glory of God in the face of your mediator. In the face of your mediator. A mediator was one who intervened between or intervenes between two parties. And this is the function that Moses has been playing throughout much of the passages that we've been looking at here in Exodus 32 through 34. He is intervening between God who is holy and righteous and a people who have committed idolatry. They have sinned against God. They are unholy. They are sinful. And so Moses is the one who is interceding on their behalf before God. He is the one who is interceding or intervening with before God for Israel. You see, we cannot approach God on our own. And the people of Israel, even though God has said, I will not pour my wrath out on you, even though he will give them his presence in one way, shape, or form, he still says that my presence can only come to you through a mediator. And Moses is that mediator. And we see that he reveals God's glory in his person, that he is to be the visible presence of God, that he is to speak for God, to come and bring God's words and God's messages to his people, and even to reflect God's glory in his physical, in the way he physically looked. But here's the question. Why does Moses' face only begin to shine in this moment? You see, Moses has had numerous experiences in God's presence. 
He had already gotten um, the law of God, the covenant of God, uh, the first time before he smashed them to the ground. So why does God give Moses his presence? Why does God give Moses, uh, make Moses' face shine in this moment? Well, the answer is probably less to do with Moses having some grand spiritual experience with God, although he did have that. But the answer is more about what God is saying and communicating about Moses to the people in this moment. You see, God was sending Moses with his covenant, with his law. But how would the people know that Moses came from God? That Moses was speaking for God? Well, God gave him a clear physical manifestation that would show that definitely Moses has been with God. He makes Moses' face shine. There could be no doubt that he reflected the divine radiance and glory of God. And so what God is doing in this moment is he is affirming to the people, he's saying this, if you want to know me, if you want to know my glory, then you must know me through my mediator, and my mediator is Moses. This mediator will be the conduit to know my glory. He is the communicator of my glory. And this was God's way of authenticating Moses, of authenticating the word that he revealed through Moses. This was God's way of communicating to Israel, if you want to know me, then you got to listen to this guy. So, well, here's the question for us. We're, who is our mediator? And do we see him as glorious? Well, very clearly the New Testament tells us that we have a mediator, and our mediator is, the, in, is, we see it, in the face of Jesus Christ. He is our mediator, the man appointed to stand between us and God. 1 Timothy 2, verse 5 says this, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, it says that God has made his, speaking of Jesus, his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. How do you see the glory of God now? How, how is God's presence mediated to us? It's found in the face of Jesus and so if God causes his glory to radiate from Moses in order to authenticate Moses' ministry, how does God authenticate Jesus' ministry? Well, in much the same way. You see, by revealing, he's going to reveal Jesus' glory as our mediator. God is consistently throughout the, the Gospels, as Jesus is doing things that are meant to authenticate that he is from God and that he reflects God's glory. But one of the most profound illustrations of this is one uh, of God authenticating Jesus' ministry is a, is a, a scene that is, can be rather confusing for us. It is known as the transfiguration of Jesus. It's in Matthew chapter 17 that Jesus goes up on a mountain with a few of his disciples and he actually transfigures, he is changed to look glorious. And he has a, the disciples see him having a conversation with none other but then Moses. And it says this in Matthew chapter 17, verse 2. And it says, he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun. And his clothes became white as light. And then down, down in verse 5 of chapter 17, it says, He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. 
Listen to him. You see, there are parallels all over the place with the Mount of Transfiguration, right? It's up on a mount. Jesus is going to go up on a mount just as Moses went up on a mount. There's a thunderclap up there and there God speaks just as God spoke to Moses and just as Moses' face shone with the glory of God, so Jesus shines with the glory of God. What the disciples saw on that occasion was the, the flesh of Jesus, the veiled in flesh we see God, the Godhead see in Jesus. It's pulled back for just a moment and they see the true glory of Jesus Christ, the light streaming from his face. And by the outshining of his glory, Jesus was revealed to be God's son, the true mediator that we need. You see, Jesus will intervene between us and God. We deserve God's wrath. We don't deserve God's presence. If he were to come into our presence, he would destroy us. But we do get God's presence. We don't get God's wrath. And that is all because of our mediator, Christ Jesus. But you see, Jesus is the means of the glory, of us seeing the glory of God, because Jesus actually is the radiance of the glory of God. And this is where Jesus is better than Moses. People will say it like this, that Jesus is the true and better Moses. Moses was a mediator between God and his people. Well, Jesus is the true and better mediator that we, we need. You see, whereas the glory of Moses was only a reflection, but in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. You see, so Jesus does not reflect God's glory. Moses is only a reflection. The glory of Jesus is the real stuff. It is inherent to who he is. So if you want to see the glory of God, see the perfect mediator, Jesus. And so here's the application that I want you to, to take and drive into your life. If you want to shine, you can. And the means by which we shine is getting into the presence of God, is seeing the face of of Jesus in his glory. And here's the truth that runs throughout the scriptures. We become what we behold. We become what we behold. And so here's my question. If you want to shine, are you fixing your eyes on Jesus? Whenever you have time, quiet moments, do you spend your time reflecting on, meditating on, ruminating about the beauty and the character of Jesus? What do you stare at? What do you spend your time doing, thinking about? What has left its mark on you? Is it some other person? Is it a TV show? Is it the culture around you? Is it even your spouse? All of these people, if we spend time with them, we will reflect them in some way, shape, or form. But the question for us is, who do we most want to reflect? And are we doing what it takes in order to get the time to meditate, to ruminate, to become what we behold? Are you beholding Jesus? Is that habitual and a rhythm in your life because you want to be and shine glorious like he does? But this is not all. The other way, that you, the good news is that you can shine you can shine because you get the presence of the glory of God and you can get that. You can experience the glory of God through the face of your mediator, but also through the covenant of your mediator. The covenant of your mediator. Again, 
We've explained covenant a few times here and there in the course of the series on Exodus, but it is a promise. It's a relational agreement that binds two parties together. And Moses in this text is, what is he doing? He is bringing the covenant of God to the people of Israel. In other words, he is giving the parameters and he's, he's going to read for them and give to them the binding document of their relationship with God. Moses was establishing, or actually in this case, reestablishing their relationship, the relationship between God and his people. But Jesus is a, is a new and better mediator. What we see in the New Testament, it declares to us that because Jesus is a better mediator, he is also establishing for us an even better relationship, a better covenant between us and God. It is what's called a new covenant. And according to the new covenant, we are in this new relationship with God through Jesus. And the, the place where this is most clearly displayed is in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And it goes to a great lengths to connect the episode of Moses and his face with what Jesus does for us. And beginning at verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, turn over there because we're going to look at this pretty systematically through this text. Beginning at verse 7, Paul is drawing a series of contrasts, what are called if-then comparisons, that move from the lesser to the greater. In other words, Paul is going to describe that what Moses, the covenant that came through Moses as the mediator, and say, if this was glorious, the covenant we had with Moses, how much more is our covenant through Jesus? Well, there's a number of places that we see this in 2 Corinthians 3. I just want you to see two. The first is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9. It says this, For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Now that is some odd apostle speak there, so let me explain it. The apostle here is drawing a comparison between the law of Moses and the gospel of Jesus Christ. The ministry of condemnation there is speaking of the law, that covenant that Moses, the Ten Commandments, that he is bringing them, that he's bringing down from the mount. And as you go through, if, you, if you're like me, if, you were to, if we were to go through each of the Ten Commandments and actually explain what they mean and what God is calling us to in being a separate and holy people and what it is to be a covenant member, we would read through those Ten Commandments and we'd say, there is not an easy one here. Each of these is hard. You wouldn't be able to say, oh, check, I'm good. I can keep this covenant. And as soon as you actually were to read through it, you begin to see all the ways that you fail to keep this covenant. You fall so far short. That's why Paul describes it as the ministry or the covenant of condemnation. Because we would read this covenant that Moses had was the mediator of between God and his people, and we would immediately feel condemnation. We can't live up to this. We can't obey this. And so Paul's thinking is this, if the law came and this law, which was going to bring condemnation upon us, was still something that was beautiful and glorious, such that it made Moses' face shown to receive it from the Lord, how much more will the ministry that gives us righteousness be something that shines forth in our lives? In other words, this mediator Jesus doesn't simply give us a law to keep, he gives us his righteousness in Jesus. 
In the new covenant, when you enter into this relationship with God, you receive not just a law, but a law that has been perfectly kept for you. Jesus is righteous. He accomplishes the fulfillment of the law for us. And so the gospel also is bringing us righteousness. Everyone who believes and longs for an obedient life, Jesus has come to give you his righteous life. That's what we get in the new covenant. We no longer stand condemned before God, but we stand righteous in his sight. And this righteousness, as we'll see, is wonderful because it is not simply momentary and therefore our glory is not momentary. The second if-then comparison I want you to see is in verse 11 of 2 Corinthians 3. It says this here. 2 Corinthians 3, 11, For if it what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. In other words, what Paul is saying here is this, is that when Moses comes down with this new covenant and he's in God's presence, Moses' glory fades over time. The glory wouldn't stay. Moses would actually ultimately die. He wouldn't permanently represent the glorious presence of God. He wouldn't be an eternal mediator. We need an eternal mediator who will constantly stand between us and God, covering us over with his blood and covering us with his righteousness. That's what we need. But in this new covenant, this is what we have. The resurrected Christ who will not die again, who went and reigns with God the Father for all of eternity, who stands forever, it says, in God's presence in Hebrews to be a intercession for us, to cover over, to be our righteousness. And he does so without end forever and ever. And so it is with the gospel of Jesus that we are covered with his righteousness, his glory, so that we can manifest and reflect the glory of Jesus over and over and over again for all of eternity. Now, this brings about a glorious implication for us because it means this, that because Jesus is the perfect mediator who always and ever lives to intercede and to cover us with his righteousness, that he has now given us access to the presence of God. What makes you glorious? To behold God. And unless you have access to the presence of God, you will not become like him. See, what needs to happen and what we see in this text is even Moses, that when he just reflected in a mere reflection of the glory of God, when his face shone, the people could hardly stand to look at it such that Moses had to wear a veil. And we see this continued in the tabernacle as well, that we, that we, God's people, us as sinners, still can't enter into God's holy presence without a mediator such that there was a veil, a cloth that was between us and God. But at the cross, that veil was torn so that we can now come into God's presence through our perfect mediator, Jesus. And so, because of that, 2 Corinthians 3 concludes this whole logic of thinking, of comparing Moses' covenant with Jesus' new covenant. And it said this, says this in 2 Corinthians 3, verses 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces... That's what Moses had. He had an unveiled face before God. Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. 
For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Once the veil is taken away and we see Jesus, the transformation begins. When we see God's glory, when we have been brought into God's presence through Jesus and by Jesus, we can begin to see God as He is and actually begin to be transformed so that we can begin to reflect Him rightly in this world. Do you see? Do you want to shine like Moses? Do you want to become your future glory self? Do you want to be who God has always made you to be, reflecting the beauty of your God? Well, the more we see God, the more we reflect His glory. The more we see what He did for us, the more we will reflect His glory. Meeting with God is what makes us glorious. And Jesus has won for us that right to meet with God, to behold God. And in a world that is dark and that is often dismal, God is making us shine. And the Bible says, and this is a beautiful truth, that this glory is an ever-increasing glory. Our glory will not fade. It instead grows brighter by degrees the more we come to know God throughout the course of our life. Everything else in this world goes grows dimmer, right? Our physical ability will go from great to lesser. But the believer in Christ, while this body dies, Christ in us rises up so that we become more and more like Jesus. God is constantly turning up the wattage of His glory so that our faces, so that our lives reflect who He is. This is your future. That is such good news. And be encouraged by this, right? And say, you who are looking at your life and you're going, wait a second, why do I reflect God's glory more in my life? 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that we are transformed from one degree of glory to another. It doesn't happen immediately. It's a process throughout the course of our life. Every year, little by little, day by day, as we walk with God, as we seek God's presence, we become and we begin to look more and more like Jesus, more and more like Christ. And so, while God's transforming work in us will not be complete until the final resurrection from the dead, one day, one day, we will see God perfectly. And in that moment, because we see the glory of God beautifully and perfectly, without veil, without anything between us and Him, we too will become glorious. It says this in 1 John 3, 2, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. You see, one day we will shine with the undimmed majesty of God, and our faces will radiate with growing brightness for all of eternity. That's your future. That's who you will become. And so, with that future and that promise and that beautiful good news in mind, we end this morning with the promised blessing, the hope that has comes from the ironic benediction, the great longing of our souls to be who God has made us to be in the presence of God. And here is that ironic benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace as you become more and more like him.